we had four different agencies, three or four. But again, that's that, that level of detail that we can get and, and provide for you at a later time. But, um, and then with, Marin, with a lot of the Marin City programs, we're also looking at what is currently being offered through both the health department and, and the health and human services department, the mental health in those existing community clinics right now. So all what, about, what about the canal area? Uh, same thing. And I think Oscar was really excellent of helping us um, look at the different programs in the canal area. And we're, again, we're gonna be looking at all these programs again next year. And the information going back to the programs is gonna be hopefully um, insightful for them in terms of what our main focus is gonna be next year. As we said, this year it was primarily mental health Probably mental health is still going to be a very important component next year, but they're, they're all getting feedback. We will also be bringing at mid-year the results of these 13 programs and the work that they've done back to the commission. And then at the very end of the year, we usually try to invite one or two of them to actually make um, a personal appearance before the commission and for the, and for the county to be able to hear exactly what they were accomplishing. Thank you. Okay. I think it also underscores the necessity of, you know, a favorable outcome for an extension of Measure A because none of these programs can be funded at all without our Measure A uh, revenue source. Definitely. And we're going to talk about Measure A later on in the agenda. I see any other hands from commissioners? Mary Stomp has her hand raised. Okay, Mary. So is it, doesn't this represent a pretty significant cut from the prior year of the grants that we got? We, yeah, we had, so the year, I guess it was, la I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, we had, um, we had some additional uh, fund, you know, there were some um, fund balance from the prior year that we were funding. And so we had a much larger re revenue right. budget to work with. And then this year, as we created our budget, we had um, less capacity. So uh, we brought, so we'd had, we, the funding had been at $100,000. We bumped it up when we had additional revenue. And then so what was that year, number? I think, like Chris said, I think it was about 150,000 last year. Okay. I might also add uh, last year, we were able to offer a few agencies higher than $8,000. So we had two different levels of funding. One was at 30,000 and the other was at eight. But that, that funding's all coming out of Measure A? Correct, yep. Yeah, so I, I too would sort of like to keep it, if we could keep it at, a, at that 150 level, I think that we get a lot of good out of that money. Yeah, that's great input. We'll uh, consider that when we build our budget for next year. Any other commissioner comments, questions? Are you ready for a motion to approve or do you wanna open it up to public comment first? I'd like to open it up for public comment before we approve. Dana, do we have anyone in, in the public? We have had one hand raised. Bill, you're now allowed to speak. Yeah, I support the measure. And by the way, you have to call for public comment before you can take a vote. Yes, that's what we're doing. Thank you, Bill. Okay. Okay, thank you, Bill. Any other uh, public member wanting to comment? Okay, seeing none. Let me read the recommended action before we actually vote. 
it's a recommended recommendation to the Marin County Board of Supervisors that it enters into grant agreements with select entities for disbursement of fiscal year 21, uh, 2021 and 2022 funds from the Measure A um, Community Grant Program. So that's the recommendation. Do I Move have approval? I'll second. Okay. Uh, Dana, can we have a roll call? Commissioner Gordado. Commissioner Harris. Aye. Commissioner Kennings. Commissioner O'Brien. Aye. Commissioner Rafel. Aye. Commissioner Scremen. Absolutely. Commissioner Stomp. Yes. Very good. Thank you. So it will go back to the board and then we will keep the commission posted as to their recommendations and actions that they take. All right, let's move on to item number six on our agenda. What are conservation efforts and impacts within county parks and managed properties? Uh, Max, do you have a staff member that's gonna take the lead? Yeah, thanks commissioners. Uh, so I'm gonna introduce Samantha Hamovich, who's one of our outstanding super operations superintendents and um, Samantha manages our north and west regions and also is gonna present on our water conservation efforts. Thanks, Max. Okay, um, let me share my screen and make sure everybody can see this. Does that work for everybody? Yep. Good. Super. Great. Well, um, Thank you, commissioners, and thank you, Max. As Max said, I'm Samantha Hamovich, regional superintendent for our North region and West Marin region. Um, and I'm gonna update you today on our water conservation efforts here in Marin County Parks. So last month, in response to water use restrictions mandated by Marin Water, the Board of Supervisors heard a presentation from county staff representing the Department of Public Works, County Fire, and Parks, outlining our respective departments' approaches to past and current water conservation efforts. The restrictions called for a year-over-year -year reduction of 40%, so 40% um, water use reduction from 2020 to 2021. Just to recap that presentation, as the water, uh, as the largest water users within our county structure, our three departments were able to summarize consistent approaches to complying with the restrictions. DPW has concentrated on installation of low water use fixtures in county buildings, recycling HVAC chiller condensation, and restrictions of water use in their landscaped areas, while County Fire has concentrated on staff training turning off irrigation entirely in their landscape areas, the few that they have, um, reduction of fire engine and other vehicle washing, and inspection and repair of fixtures to meet the target of 40% reduction in water use. Um, since that presentation, Marine Water has actually revised their restrictions to respond to the worsening drought conditions. So in the next slides, I'll take you through the measures that Parks is enacting to respond to this evolving situation and meet those 40% reduction goals. 
So our department has voluntarily enacted numerous water conservation measures in recent years, not just this year, but in previous years in response to, to uh, the drought, as well as our continuing commitment to sustainable practices in maintaining our county lands. Over the past several years, the department has already eliminated many high use features and practices. So we're thinking creatively to improve even more. Up until very recently, Marin Water uh, recently had mandated irrigation restrictions um, to achieve the 40% reduction goals. However, their board adopted stricter irrigation restrictions just last week um, to better preserve Marin's water supply. So what they're saying is at this time, spray irrigation is limited to just one day a week and each community has a designated watering day with no overhead irrigation allowed on the weekends. Drip irrigation limited to two days a week and spot watering by hand can be done on any day of the week. The Parks Department progress on this front has continued and responded to the most recent restrictions. The following measures reflect both our past and our current practices. In our parks facilities, we've implemented several practices to lower water use in landscape areas. These include drought tolerant plant selections, mulching planting areas, prioritizing high use areas and valuable landscape assets such as mature trees and making the decision to delay some planting projects um, temporarily or longer than that to minimize using excessive water during the establishment period for plants until we see an appropriate period of wet weather. Looking forward, our department is also taking a thoughtful and strategic approach to both minor and capital projects, considering water conservation as one of the top criteria we look at to prioritize and elevate our future work. Um, so looking at water conservation as one of the elements that we are looking at when looking at our budgets um, and what kind of projects we're bringing forward. So um, we are also keeping the pool at McNear's Beach Park covered during this current period that the pool is closed to mitigate evaporation and water loss. Um, the pool is, is closed this season um, more because of staffing issues related to COVID closures and, um, you know, we didn't close the pool for water conservation, but since the pool is closed, we're keeping it covered to reduce evaporation. Um, so overall irrigation reduction, we're doing a few things there. Our department is also achieving overall reductions in potable water irrigation use through weekly monitoring and reducing run times. Currently in compliance with mandated restrictions, all of our sites that are overhead irrigated with potable water are limited to one day per week watering schedule. For some of our high water use turf areas, we will be going to turning off the irrigation entirely and letting the turf go brown um, since one day a week is not enough to keep those turf areas alive or, or looking green. We're just gonna let it go entirely until we have water again. Um, our priority will be to maintain shrub plantings and trees which use less water to keep alive 
um, sequester carbon at much greater levels and are far more costly to replace in the long run than replacing turf um, or helping turf bounce back. So I wanted to just use McNear's Beach Park as an example, um, one of our biggest areas that uses potable water for irrigation. A comparison of our June 2020 water bill with June 2021 um, shows that McNear's used 998 units of water um, in June of 2020 and was down to 430 units of water for June of this year, which is a reduction of about 56%. Um, one unit of water is 748 gallons. Um, so that has resulted in a year-over-year -year reduction at McNears of over 13,000 gallons of water a day. So the efforts we're making are, it's really making a difference and that's just one site. So, um, you know, McNears is probably one of those areas that you're gonna see some of the turf areas going brown. Um, we're also using a system called Ion Water to reduce overall irrigation. Um, and so Ion Water is a cloud-based online monitoring and reporting system that we employ to monitor each of our approximately 42 potable water meters throughout the county. Those are big sites, small sites, anywhere that we have potable water for irrigation, we have um, item on our dashboard for it. So uh, this image here shows a typical dashboard for one of our sites. And as you can see, there's a lot of information on here. We're able to monitor real-time water use over both the short and long-term. So this is showing just as at a glance, you know, the last seven days water use, previous seven days and a 30-day average, um, as well as charts kind of showing the rise and fall of water use. The system also protects, uh, provides a leak detection function um, where staff and contractors can receive leak alert alerts um, remotely when individual water meters show leak activity. And um, the cool thing about the system is we're able to specify the, the thresholds for where it's detecting leaks so that if we want, um, and we do, we're notified, notified of even very small leaks. Currently the system set to detect leaks as small as one gallon per hour over a 24 hour period. Um, so we're able to catch those quickly, um, fix them, or at the very least turn off the water at the, at the um, point of connection and get those fixed quickly. Um, just to note, this system does not monitor sites that we have that use recycled or wa raw water for irrigation. So infrastructure upgrades. Um, Parks has concentrated efforts to identify and implement necessary infrastructure upgrades in response to water restrictions. Not that we haven't always done that, but we're working a little bit harder to make sure that we're catching leaks and breaks quickly. Um, these upgrades include finding, um, finding and fixing broken equipment and um, installing more efficient products whenever it's possible. 
Our staff is constantly looking for locations where we can improve efficiency of our irrigation systems, for example, by replacing overhead spray systems with drip or subsurface equipment, which reduces overspray and loss through evapotranspiration. So this is just one situation where a leak was found, um, dug up, they pulled out the broken pieces and replaced them with um, not only a new piece of tubing, but also an additional shutoff so that we're actually able to control um, where we shut off water a little bit better. And in some cases we can isolate areas more easily. Um, we have made the decision during this time of mandated reductions to also shut off selected water play features temporarily, such as this one at Lagoon Park Playground. And the water features that we're shutting off are limited to play features and they're not including, um, you know, places like the lagoon where the, um, the fountains actually provide aeration for the lagoon, which helps keep that ecosystem healthy. Additionally, Parks is using recycled water where possible on our road and trail construction and maintenance projects. This tertiary treated water received through a partnership with Las Colinas Valley Sanitary District is used primarily for dust control during the work. Um, we're using signs also on the sides of the water trucks. You can see this purple sign here that says recycled water do not drink. Um, to communicate with the public that this is recycled water, not potable water, and we're doing our best to use water responsibly to complete our work. Um, so right here, here is one of our staff members using tertiary water from um, the sanitary district to wet down um, the area that they're working on for dust control. Um, we're restricting vehicle washing to necessary minium, minimums, which, um, which means we're not regularly washing our vehicles entirely. You're probably going to see dirty parks trucks around. Um, we're only spot washing vehicles to make sure our parks logos and county designations are legible and cleaning windshields for safety and, you know, cleaning things with water um, only if it's a safety or health condition and not just cleaning them to keep them nice and shiny. And then um, we're also providing training for staff, um, whether that's full-time staff or seasonal staff to keep them aware of water wasteful situations and how to quickly mitigate them. And finally, we're promoting the use of recycled water through demonstrating best practices and outreach to contribute towards the overall county water conservation effort. Parks knows that one of the most outward facing county departments and in proud demonstration of our dual missions of preservation and recreation, we can be an effective voice to help educate the public that we serve on our extensive lands. We're keenly aware that water is one of our most precious resources and that we should all be doing our part to navigate the present conditions and future droughts together. So on that note, I'd be happy to take any questions that anybody has, um, any of the commissioners or anybody from the public. Thank you, Samantha. Mm -hmm. uh, commissioners, do you have questions, comments? I, 
I have one just sort of generic question, Samantha. This was a very good presentation. Thank you. Um, this may sound like a dopey question, but is there coordination between what you're doing and the other uh, governmental agencies in the county? For instance, the the you know the Mount you know the MMWD on Mount Tam and and the federal government for the GGNRA that kind of stuff. Sure, absolutely. Obviously, um, you know, the other agencies have their own protocols that they're adhering to. Um, but since we have a number of staff members who interact on the OneTAM um, group, myself included, and obviously Max and a number of other um, of our folks are interacting on a natural resources level, on a programming level, um, and with the steering committee and the executive team. So I can speak for the program subcommittee and the steering committee that I'm part of for OneTAM that uh, water conservation is an F, is a an item that comes up in our agenda each time we meet and we're talking about it. Yeah. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Other commissioners. Hearing none. I just. It looks have... like oh, Dennis uh, Mary Stomp has her hand up. Mary. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you. Um, I'm super impressed with what you guys are doing to save water. I'm married to a water guy, so who works for North Marin, um, and it, you're doing way more than I thought a, a public agency would do. So it's it's really great to see. So thank you. Thanks, Mary. I was going to say it's very comprehensive report. I really appreciate it, Samantha. I think that all the county staff is uh, to be commended. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. Any other commissioners? Samantha, I just have a couple of questions. Number one, is there any area, you're doing a fabulous job to really try to uh, minimize our water usage, but the more that we allow air to dry, the greater the fire danger. Are we coordinating it with Marin County Fire in terms of as we shut off water in one area? Um, really making sure that we're covered on the possibility of fire, uh, being more exposed to fire? Sure. I mean, we are coordinating with fire on a lot of different levels, um, drought being one. And obviously, as I mentioned at the top of this presentation, they're, they're definitely aware of drought too. Um, the one thing that I can think is, um, you know, most of the measures that we're taking are within our parks. Um, so, you know, it's not quite the same as like, you know, we're, we're creating areas in open space that are gonna be more crispy or um, more needed for them. I think we already have a good relationship with them to be able to respond to fire in our facilities. Thank you. Yeah, I just add, you know, one thing that Samantha mentioned in her presentation is that we're making sure to try to keep watering trees and other kinds of high value hard to replace uh, assets. And the thing about that is that also helps to mitigate potential fire risks. So the, the one thing that you'll see going brown is turf, but it's, you know, we keep the turf mode fairly short. It's not a high fire risk, whether it's brown or green. Um, so it, 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 and it's unlikely that we'll lose uh, trees because of irrigation. On the other hand, we may well lose trees that are in areas that are not irrigated because of the drought. My last question, in this, today's IJ, there was a, a large article about the uh, Indian Valley College 
and getting ready to complete their three pools. And, and that's going to happen in the end of August. They're looking to be able to offer their existing water in their existing pool to a variety of groups. Have they contacted us yet to see if uh, we can have some of that water? Not to my knowledge, um, and Indian Valley College, well, at least the, the Novato campus is in my territory. I have not heard from them, but that's that's a good point. Maybe we can reach out to them. Yeah, for watering down the dusty roads, that's for sure. Okay. We do, go ahead. we do already have access to recycled water for our water trucks. So for, you know, for use on our, our roads and trail projects and things like that, it's pretty easy for us to access recycled water. Okay. Other commissioners? Hearing none, let me open it up for public comment. Not hearing anyone. Thank you, Samantha. Really Thank appreciate you very much. your presentation. And this is just an information only item, so no action required by the, by the commission. So we will now move on to um, our number seven of our agenda park facilities update. And Mac, I believe it's Tara gonna present. Yes, yeah, uh, thanks commissioner. So uh, Tara McIntyre is gonna present and I don't remember if I've given this update before, but Tara, well, I think probably it's, maybe it's been a while, but she's our, our principal landscape architect. So previously she was a senior landscape architect and then um, she's, uh, now our principal landscape architect. So I just wanted to speak to that and just how much I appreciate her leadership in our department and with our projects um, and leading our projects team. So with that, I'll hand it over to Tara. Great, uh, thank you, Max. Uh, good afternoon, Commissioner. Everybody can hear me, yes? Yes. I can only hear myself in my head because I have to wear these ridiculous headphones today because um, I can't find the other ones. Okay, let me. Let me share my screen here. How's that? Great. All right. Um, well, uh, thank you all. And um, yeah, and just to, for those who are just tuning in or who um, missed what Max said, uh, my name is Tara McIntyre. I'm the principal landscape architect and uh, with the projects and design team. And uh, as you may know, uh, we're in the middle of uh, the busiest time of year. This is our construction season. And, um, and so it just felt like this was a perfect opportunity to give you a little update of what is going on and, uh, and with our projects that are under construction or close to. Um, so with that, uh, here are some notes from the field. So we're going to start with Bayside. I kind of did these in an order of sort of how how far along uh, our projects are in construction. And uh, Bayside Park, I feel like we've presented this several times, but for those who are just tuning in um, or need a, a refresh, Bayside Park is located on uh, San <laughs> North San Pedro. I live off of San Pablo Road. Um, North San Pedro Road, uh, as you're driving out to McNear's Brick and Block and McNear's Beach Park. And so this park is a project that is a, a collaboration with DPW and really is getting a, a, a 
a complete facelift uh, in the name of accessibility. And so you can see the top photo is what was before. Um, and that's how it's been for many, many, many years. And below is the, the rendering of the new, the new landscape design, which is underway. Um, just to kind of review the goals of the project, again, it's accessibility. Um, and this will have uh, pathways, new site furnishings, plantings, and accessible parking space on the, on the road. And as you will see in the, the following photos, construction is just about complete. So just kind of keep, keep this tree just as a reference point here in the distance. Um, this is before construction. So you can see the, you know, the cracks and the bumps and the lumps and the, you know, it, it was a it's a well-loved park. Absolutely, you can't, you can't beat it for being on, on the bay. And, uh, but it definitely was in need of, of uh, improvements to address accessibility. So the construction started, I think about a month or so ago, um, a little over a month ago. And uh, they, basically graded the entire site. Some of you may have noticed, you know, the trees were the first to go, and then there was a, a long period of time. Um, and then they started construction uh, full swing here. And over time, uh, the last few weeks, they graded out the pathways. You can see the formwork in for the construction or for the uh, concrete sidewalks and uh, getting the base grades ready. And you can see the forms uh, here on the left and right. And there's our a tree reference. Um, and then this is after the, the newly completed sidewalks. There's a new sidewalk along the road. These little pads here are going to be where the new benches will be placed. Um, there's gonna be new trash receptacles. Uh, this curb here is what will direct the storm water. So all the site water will drain. If it's not treated in landscaped areas, it will drain and then be directed to a bioswale. And, and the water will be treated there. So we worked hand in hand with McStop on this. And, uh, and right now, um, our senior landscape architect, Sarah Ristridge, is actually was out there today placing uh, the field marking the trees and we hope to get the trees in next week. Um, and a little piece on this, kind of uh, following up with Sam just said, this project is mostly, I'm gonna flip back here. You can see that there's a majority of, of landscaping that is shrubs and this is all in drip. We're proceeding with that, um, but the turf, which you can see here, is, is something we're gonna hold off on and, and we're going to uh, just have it as, a, as mulch for the time being until we can address, once we hopefully have range return, that we can be ready to go back and put turf in when it's appropriate. And I'm happy to answer questions when we get to the end, but. Um, if anybody has any pressing questions, just jump in. That was Mary. Yeah. What was the what was the cost of this? The total development cost of this project? Uh, I believe this project is around two hundred thousand. Again, DPW has those numbers, but it's between six hundred. Sorry, two hundred, six hundred, and seven hundred thousand dollars. I thought that was a really good price. Two hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh yeah, two hundred so, would be great. We could build like. So we put. <laughs> We put funds aside in, in some sort of sort of reserve account for the for the turf, or is that going to need to come in in a future budget item? I and I I might have to follow up on that. I can't remember how uh, we address that. Maybe Chris remembers. Otherwise, I can let you know because it was 
part of the contract fee when we put this out to bid. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure how we ended up uh, addressing that with the contractor, but I can, I'm happy to follow up on that. And I believe what we're gonna do, Tara, is all of the ir irrigation infrastructure is gonna be in place yes. and um, capped off. And then we're gonna bring in some um, engineered wood chips right. to as the placeholder. And then we're very likely gonna come in with our own staff because really all of the prep work is gonna be done. We're gonna remove the engineered fiber and then we're gonna come back in and prep the soil and roll out sod the cost of sod with the small amount of square footage that we're talking about here and given our own staff skill set, uh, we believe it to be a, a relatively minor project once we're ready to turn the irrigation on, assuming Marin Municipal Water District conditions are, are loosened and we actually get some rain. Thank you. Great, thank you. And so moving on to, this is- Oh, Sorry, yes. Tara, can I ask a very sure. quick question? Do you plan yeah. to have some kind of a like opening ceremony or formal dedication at some point? You know, we haven't actually talked about that. Um, I'm unsure. Uh, I think okay, that's something I'd, we can follow I'd, up on. Yeah, I'd advocate for it. It's uh, I, As it happened, I drove by there this morning and yeah. uh, uh, they, they are pretty close to done. And um, you're close it strikes me that all those people who live out there in Glenwood and Peacock Gap have been seeing this for a long time with these ugly fences and orange things. And, and uh, if there was some kind of a thing which, you know, advised them that this park is now open and it's a big deal and, you know, it might be good for the community to know that it was redone and who did it. Yeah, and we've been, and with DPW, our communications team and DPW has been um, very uh, in touch with the community because um, they have been very, you know, aware of this project and, and curious too. So, um, but we'll continue to, to communicate and, uh, and keep them in the loop. Yeah, anyway, just my, my own two cents is I'd be an advocate for some kind of a formal public, okay. you know, opening. Great. Will, will signage show that it was paid for by Measure A funds? I yes. Yeah, I mean yes, as Max. This is part of our and all of our parks eventually will is part of our signage plan. Um, the, these will also receive signs in the future when we when we get to that. So I, I would also advocate for some kind of a formal opening because. It's just one more way that we can communicate with the public and future voters on uh, the importance of Measure A. So I just, uh, anytime we get an opportunity to get some press and uh, public exposure, and this is a perfect opportunity, we should look at it. Great, right. Thank you, thanks everyone. Um, okay, so Adrian Rizal, this is a teeny tiny little pocket park out in Santa Venetia. And uh, this is part of CSA 18. And the community asked for some improvements to the park, this little area here to increase picnic opportunities and just more of a gathering space. And also to kind of create a little bit more of a, uh, a border and um, define the edge of the park between the, the sidewalk and the, the roadway. So our, uh, internal team helped to win in conjunction with the uh, community members, um, help design a, a small planting using uh, low water 
plants and it's going to have accessible picnic tables and benches and a new barbecue grill. And construction is underway. In fact, I was out there yesterday with uh, Lisa Bowie, one of our landscape architects, uh, field siting all of the site furnishings. So that was really exciting. And uh, that should be complete here shortly. But as you can see, here's the planting. The planting is complete. Uh, the contractor is busy over there. You can see them putting together the site furnishings and Lisa's over here uh, documenting things. And we were, um, so this should be wrapped up pretty soon. Black Point Boat Launch. We've uh, presented on this before, but again, just to recap, this is up by, um, uh, oh my gosh, my brain. Um, <laughs> brain's not working. But oh, the highway. 37. Thank you, 37. Um, underneath 37. And, and so this is one of our two boat launch facilities. And we were awarded a I mean, this was funded by a grant years ago, but we just recently were, were awarded a National Fish and Wildlife Grant, and it was in the amount of $75,000. So that was used with leveraged against or with Measure A funds to help fund a new shade structure that is going to go here on this pad. Um, and the picnic tables aren't there, but there'll be new picnic tables, a new shade structure, um, new plantings. Um, very, very minimal plantings, but new native plantings. Uh, and then there's going to be new bike racks here and a new uh, trash receptacle to replace this. So this will turn into a picnic area, the new bike racks, um, all the trash facilities and recycling will trans transfer back over to this site against the restroom. Um, and, and here's just a site plan. So you can kind of see the new picnic table, the new trash receptacle, new bike rack, a fish cleaning station, or sorry, a fish bait cutting station. Um, and then this is where the shade structure will go with the new picnic tables. And these are the new, new plantings, very minimal, but all native. Again, this has been, out, we've put this out to bid, we've awarded the contract, the contractors waiting for site furnishings. There's a pretty long lead time just because of steel uh, with the shade structure itself. Um, but there are have begun work and we hope to have a, an October completion. And this is just a, the sampling of what the type of structure will look like for the shade structure. It's not the color, but it will match the existing restroom facility out there. This is the, our standard uh, receptacle. The picnic tables um, does not come with the dog, uh, the bait cutting station and, and our bike racks. So it'll be a nice improvement. That, oh, do we ahead. do we lose? Um, is it now just a one boat boat ramp? Did we did it get narrowed in the rehab there? That I'm not sure. It, we're not touching the that we're not touching the boat. Okay. Yeah. No. Nothing. The 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 um. Let's see. Where's the site plan? Yeah. This is all the construction is just in here, okay. right here, and then in this little area. So we're not touching the boat, and the boat ramp will remain open during any all of the work. So, and it will remain as a free free launch. Yes, it will. And then uh, McNe oh yes. How much more would it be to throw in the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I know, adorable, right? Tara, I just have a question before we lose the move beyond the small parks. 
Um, About 12 years ago in Sausalito, we had a woman, Shelly Van Meter, that was really looking at these small parks around town and knew that they needed a lot of investment. And she formed an agency, became a nonprofit called Sausalito Beautiful. And then they brought in um, master gardeners. They they contacted the master gardeners of Marin Mm. and landscape architects. And it really allows the local community to volunteer to come in and really raise funds for these small parks, actually do the planting in these, these types of parks, help pick out what vegetation will work best. Have we tried that at all in any of these small county parks yet, where we involve a neighborhood group or have them connect with something like the Master Gardeners? You know? I I am unsure. I think I feel like we have, and, and Chris and Max, and maybe um, Sam, in terms of with our, with our volunteer programs. Mm-hmm. I feel, I think we have done uh, work like that, but I, I can't speak to that directly because I don't have any experience that we've done that. Okay, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, our, we have a super active volunteer program at Hal Brown Creekside Park. There's okay. a ton of volunteer events where the volunteers take care of plantings there. You know, some of the parks are just, you know, better suited for volunteer activities. We have really, uh, you know, active volunteers at McGinnis Park, um, around Lagoon Park at the Civic Center. There's a lot of volunteer events. Some of them, there's just not as strong of a connection. So it just, it it really depends, you know, and then some of the small parks also are part of CSAs. So the CSAs, the community is really engaged in the management of the park. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add, Chris. Not really. I mean, I think it's something that we'd be happy to explore. And if there's folks that, that if there was interest out there, then then it's certainly, we'd, we'd be happy to engage in conversation to see if we can build something. Yeah, it, it may be worthwhile as you're in these individual neighborhoods, because these are very loved parks, like mm-hmm. the one this, that we started with. If anyone was interested in getting more information about what volunteers might be able to accomplish, we can put them in touch with the board down at Sausalito Beautiful, and maybe they can recreate something for their particular neighborhood. But let me know if that's ever an option. Yeah, that's great. I wrote that down. Definitely uh, look it up. Good. And thank you. Okay, thank you. so we have a couple more. So McNears Beach Park, um, you know, our one of our crown jewels. Uh, again, we presented this uh, several times, but this is the parking lot, and this is sort of phase two because we addressed the the entry road. Uh, several years ago where we improved, repaved the entire road. We added uh, new um, uh, traffic slowing devices and and really improved that section. And then this new project is going to address the parking lot and change uh, the circulation and resurface the whole lot. Um, This photo is, every time I drive personally, when I drive in this park, I never know where to go. it's like it brings me back to ski racing days and slaloming around, you know, (laughs) objects. Um, And so this whole area will get redesigned or re-renovated. All these islands will be removed and redone. It's, uh, so again, we're addressing circulation, improving that. And as part of this also, we're going to incorporate bioswales and treat the stormwater. Um, And there'll also be new shade trees throughout the, the parking area. So here's, the brown um, 
ex uh, is where the existing tree wells are and the landscape median. So here's that one that we were just looking at. And then the green represents the new, the new design. Um, so not too different, but again, it's, it's enough where now you'll come in and you'll look straight at the bay and the, and the pier. Um, it'll just make a little more sense. And then as part of this work, uh, there's also an additive alternative um, that would ex widen and make that uh, extension over to, as we call it, Starvation Gulch. So that's over here. Um, that would improve that so we could actually allow for two-way traffic in there when we do use that for our overflow area. Um, and here are some photos of the existing conditions out there. You can see the, the, the asphalt's really degraded. Uh, it's definitely ready, <laughs> ready for a makeover. And so this project, bids were open last week. Time goes by so quickly. And we have a tentative board date to award it to the lowest responsive bidder in, in early August. Again, we're still, we're still um, making sure that we've done doing our due diligence on the bids, but that should be uh, finished here shortly. And then construction is planned to begin after Labor Day. The Homestead Valley Community Center. Can I, can I ask, oh, uh, Tara, can yes. I ask a quick question about Absolutely. this one? Absolutely. Is it is it your intent here to increase the number of parking spaces and then uh, at the same time, um, sort of sort of with that question, do you know are there instances where uh, the parking lot becomes full and people are denied entrance because there's not enough parking? The parking lot. Um, off the top of my head, I believe the parking lot number is not changing. Our quantity of spaces is not changing. Um, and so, and in terms of, and I don't know if Ari is on, he would be able to speak, our superintendent, Ari Galan, would be able to speak to kind of where, how that's handled. But I know when we do have, and Chris can probably speak to this too, um, the traffic would be directed to either uh, Starvation Gulch and then uh, I'm not sure how that handles or how that's handled otherwise, but we're not changing the the parking uh, number in this area. Well, the gist of my question was if if there are lots of weekends when the parking is overflowing, if you're going to reconstruct the parking lot, this might be a good opportunity to to increase the the actual park the the actual capacity of the lot itself. Yeah, I think we had some challenges around. Um, I mean, if we were to expand it too much more beyond the existing footprint, I mean, I think by removing some of the medians, we, I, I don't know if, if we've changed the number of stalls, it would be very limited. Um, yeah. But, but it's going to certainly increase or enhance the flow. And that I think was the big deal because during large events, there was a bottleneck as we go back to our overflow parking lot, which Tara mentioned, we refer to as starvation gulch, but uh, and that really is kind of the, the, the key point is to allow for emergency vehicle access um, when, when the parking lot is full because current under current situations, when we do have a, a full lot, um, we, we're pinched down so much so that it impedes potentially fire trucks and, and, and it's just really just a challenge to try and get folks in and out of there. So um, I think from a sheer number of parking stalls, I don't see us making a huge change here because of the constraints on either side uh, or the boundaries of the, the parking lot and us not wanting to necessarily get out into the main lawn area, if you will, um, because it really becomes a whole different project if we start to, to expand that parking lot. Yeah, 
you don't get you don't get flack from neighbors in Peacock Gap about people parking in the neighborhood and then walking in. We don't typically have that problem. We it's it's very rare that we actually reach capacity and and okay. really to be honest with you, you know, there's only a couple of days where we we fill the the back overflow lot and even start parking up the entrance road and get up towards the, the gatehouse there. Okay. The Father's Days, the Fourth of Julys. Uh, I know the the annual Persian event that we've had really since I think 2000. Um, that that event really is the only event where we get jammed out to the gate and then actually reach capacity. Okay. Thanks. And and one of the things I'd like to add here is with this uh, project, um, we applied for the. Uh, Let's see if I get this. It's a Prop 68 funding recreational infrastructure and enhancement grant. It's also called, we call it the Ryer grant. And uh, so that is going to provide an additional uh, $480,000 uh, that will leverage with uh, Measure A funds to pay for this, this project. So that's really exciting. And uh, roughly this is about a $700,000 project. So that's a really nice amount to leverage with Measure A funds for this project. Homestead Valley uh, Community Center Pool. So this project, we bid back in April. This is part of CSA 14. And uh, this was awarded back in May. We, uh, about a $1.1 million project. And, and similar to McNears, we're, we're timing these both of these projects to occur after Labor Day because we don't want to take up for impact summer. And so we're waiting till school starts before we start both of these projects. And so this project has been long, long awaited by the community. And as you can see, this is the existing conditions. Uh, there's a pool building here, which you can see right here in this photo. Um, and then this structure in the top photo is here. And as I go to the, the proposed plan, you'll notice that the old building is being demoed, the deck expands. We're retaining the same uh, pool, new control room, mechanical, and then a new uh, building, uh, complete with uh, all ADA, everything's um, up to snuff and it's going to be really exciting. And this is, a, this is just a quick rendering by the architect of that new new facility. And this, as I said, is, uh, it's been awarded. Uh, we're having our pre-construction meeting next week and we'll be starting after Labor Day. The final project I want to talk about, we haven't started. Uh, I just had a question. Are those yes. uh, individual changing rooms or what are they? They are, so I know it's hard to see here, but there's a, let's see, there's a, um, a bathroom a bathroom, a bathroom, and then there's a changing room, a changing room, and an office. And I believe this is an ADA changing room shower. Okay. And then there's an outdoor shower over here. Okay. And it's a three-lane pool? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Is it, um, do you know the depth of the pool or the pool's not really changing, right? The pool, so the pool is actually going to remain the same. Yeah, they're just going to replaster it and, and do some structural uh, improvements to it, new piping, um, new mechanical, but the actual footprint of the pool is remaining the same. Okay. And then the final project I'm going to speak to, just because this is, again, one of that we get a lot of questions about, uh, 
Ismail Valley Sausalito pathway. Uh, this is a resurfacing project that we have we're getting ready to uh, put this out um, once we have our permits uh, approved. But this is going to extend from gate six. So it'll meet the new, if you haven't been down to gate six where Mike Spikes is, uh, the city of Sausalito just completed or they're still working on, but at least relative to our pathway, um, you'll see some new improvements there. And then extending all the way up to El Monte and it's a 1.4 mile uh, pathway uh, that is in need of, we're basically going, you can see all the cracking and the raveling and the, um, the just the, the surface is just really eroded. And so this will be a microsurface. This is not a repaving. This is just literally a microsurface um, that is applied to the top that will smooth out the cracks and and just make it a more level and 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 rideable surface and walkable surface. And so again, we're waiting for um, uh, the regular regulatory agencies to uh, provide permits for this. And otherwise, once we have that, we'll be ready to go. And it's roughly going to be about a two to four week construction project because it's not a technical project. It's not. It's pretty straightforward. It's just um, the timing and 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 getting getting this going. And that is notes from the field. Are there any questions? Yes, um, I, I have a question if I could. Sure. Uh, uh, Tara, thank you for the report. Excellent report. Um, what is the status of Buck's Landing? Um, and is that gonna be open to the public or what's happening there? It is, it is our first phase is complete. Um, I feel like I see the, uh, we presented that a little while ago um, and that is open and it's absolutely open to the public. Um, and yeah. we're just still working on signage and. Makes me think we should present that. We should bring that to your commission. We, you know, we presented uh, Craig Richardson and presented it to the community and to one of our all staff meetings, but uh, we, I just makes me realize we didn't present that to you all, but we, we uh, completed some improvements out there. So yeah, it's been open to the community for a while and uh, now there's some uh, accessible restroom and parking spaces and things like that. I, I was out there last week and um, it's, I, I'd say it's not clear that it's open to the community. Um, there, there are a number of not, no trespassing signs and private property signs there. Um, there appears to be storage that's not um, park-related storage there. Um, so if it is open to the public, it sure doesn't, it, it feels like you're trespassing. It doesn't feel like you're on a Yeah, it's an, unusual, it's an unusual place, place, Roger. You're right. I feel like it would be great to do, I'll ask Craig to present to your commission next time because I think the way that the the unique way that the lot is it's adjacent to a lot that's used commercially for boat storage and another lot that's used to sort of manage the boat storage so it's sort of sandwiched between those two things and you're right there's no trespassing signs on those two adjacent parcels because they're commercial private commercial parcels and so we've added some signage uh, to sort of indicate some of the public areas there but it doesn't feel like a lot of our other parks because it's sandwiched between these two commercial um, uh, businesses. Yeah, the, the signage could be 
really improved because I had thought it was open, went down there, real enthusiastic, wanted to see it. Um, and then I thought, uh-oh, I'm trespassing. <laughs> um, and I better get out of here. So, yes. Max, it actually might be wise at some point in the not too distant future, we do what we did years ago, where we took the commission on field trips to look at some of these new parks and they got to see them in person. Let's do it. Yeah, it sounds that great. Would be a good idea. Okay. Any other commissioners, questions, comments for Tara? Seeing none, let me open it up for public comment. Anyone in the public would like to comment? Please let us know. There are no hands raised. Okay, thank you, Dana. All right, well, let's move on to item number eight on our agenda. And I think most of you know we've had some changes in regard to Measure A extension, but I'll let Max start us off. Thanks so much, Commissioner. Uh, again, Max Corton, Director of Marin County Parks. And um, I'm going to walk you a little bit through some of the timeline, some of our recent events, and then I'll share some survey data um, from a survey commissioned by Marin Open Space Trust. And then I'll talk about some of our next uh, potential next steps. So um, as you might be aware, uh, you know, there's an upcoming recall election and Marin Open Space Trust uh, um, funded a survey to look at the feasibility of um, adding an extension to Measure A onto the upcoming recall ballot. Uh, and uh, that the survey came back with really strong results. I'll present those in a minute. Um, we presented that survey to our the Board of Supervisors on June 22nd at our same meeting where we presented our budget for approval um, and presented the board with two options, either to keep moving forward to place the, the ballot measure on the, the June 2022 primary, um, which had been our plan, or to potentially consider um, working towards putting it on the recall ballot, consolidating it with the statewide uh, special election. And the board uh, directed staff to work towards putting it on the uh, recall ballot. And so um, we indicated there was some uncertainty about our ability to do so. It's you know a unique sort of uh, situation, but we worked with county council and the elections department towards uh, potentially doing that and scheduled a... Um, a uh, special meeting uh, for a first reading of an ordinance on July uh, 6th. And uh, the Friday before that meeting, the state came out with guidance from the California Secretary of State that, um, uh, you know, um, sort of clarified something that had been in a, in a recent, I think it was Senate Bill 152, um, uh, that created rules for the recall election and that clarified the rule to say that uh, uh, only uh, special local elections that had been called before June 15th could be consolidated with the recall election. So because of that, we were not able to consolidate with the recall election. And so uh, at that special meeting, uh, we, the the board indicated that we should just continue working towards the June uh, 2022 primary for an extension of Measure A. Um, 
but it was uh, very exciting to see these uh, poll results from this poll that was again uh, funded by Marin Open Space Trust. And can you all see my screen? Yes. Okay, great. I'm just gonna go through these relatively quickly. Uh -oh. For some reason, oh, here we go. Okay, let's see. So, um, oh wait, I'm at the end here. So this is just an overview of the methodology of the survey, you know, a combination of, uh, and this is just the same presentation that Brian Godby, who led the survey, um, did for the Board of Supervisors. Um, so you can see the methodology here. I think the sample size was a little, a little over 700. The margin of errors, um, a little under 4%. And then, um, so, uh, you know, this was just sort of first question they asked, you know, something that's at the top of everybody's mind and sort of gives a sense of the community support of the government's response, their local and state government response to the COVID uh, pandemic, which was, you know, generally favorable. Um, and then this was sort of a test of the initial support of a, a potential renewal of uh, Measure A. And, you know, again, it's got the, you know, basically they asked the exact language that would potentially be on the ballot. And um, uh, the, you know, you can see here between the definite yes and probable yes uh, added up to about 83%. Uh, and, uh, you know, this looked at the features of the measure, some of the different things that are funded by the measure to see uh, what, um, you know, the community members were most uh, interested in, what, what made them most likely to potentially vote for the measure. And you can see that managing vegetation to preserve biodiversity and reduce wildfire risk was at the top of the list, um, you know, and then, uh, protecting streams, baylands, natural areas, and wildlife habitat, and, and then uh, providing an ongoing source of funding for parks and open space. Um, so, you know, really uh, taking care of uh, parks and open space is sort of the lead of what um, motivated people to be interested in voting for this measure. Um, and then again, these informational statements, the wildfire Risk reduction is the top, um, you know, thing that has the most effect, positive effect on people. Um, but additionally, uh, protecting uh, the 1,500 acres of Marin's rolling hills, shorelines, wetlands, creeks, streams, natural lands, um, and of course, some of these these features of the measure that it cannot be taken by the state. That it's an extension and not an increase in the tax rate. Um, also were favorable. And then after the, they asked a number of both, or provided both positive and negative information, uh, potential information about the measure, the, um, they did another test of support and that came back at 79.6%. So about 80%, which is still, you know, very high um, in terms of results. And um, I'll just uh, end 
my presentation by sort of talking about next steps. So, you know, one of the things that we heard from the community uh, following, you know, some of these board meetings about the extension was that there was an interest in weighing in on the expenditure plan and that, you know, it was a good time to consider any potential changes uh, for the next potential nine years of this measure. So we're, uh, we're working on putting out a survey, which I think we discussed with your commission uh, at a previous meeting, but um, uh, we're working on, on putting out a survey, actually we were gonna do earlier, um, uh, to gauge some of those exact questions about what people find most uh, important in the expenditure plan. And, uh, and then also um, I'm planning on holding sort of office hours for people or groups that might be interested in having a deeper conversation about the expenditure plan. And then I think the next steps in our timeline, we'd come back to your commission at your September meeting and give you more information about the results of the survey and, and some of those meetings. And then uh, we would um, you know, uh, get feedback at that time and then we'd work towards having a recommendation for your November meeting to uh, a staff recommendation that then um, your commission could consider recommending uh, the ordinance and expenditure plan to move forward to the board of supervisors uh, at your November meeting. Yeah, so that, that concludes my presentation. Happy to. Thank you, Max. Commissioners, questions, comments? I have, I have some questions and comments. Go ahead. So I was wondering why none of this went through our commission. Like, what, why didn't we have a special meeting? Why didn't the survey results come to us? We didn't get to weigh in on it. And then um, I mentioned that I had read about it in the paper. Um, and I sort of feel like as a Measure A committee member that I do represent citizens. And we did get some pushback in the, I don't know if you all saw the guest editorial in the Marin IJ about this, but it feels like, it feels like we're in on part of the process, but not on the other part of the process. And I just, I, I just don't know why things aren't flowing through us first, because we've been talking about measure A for for months and months, if not years, and it coming up and it being on this timeline. And then all of a sudden I read in the paper that, whoa, um, it's they're trying to put it on this ballot. It just didn't seem, and I think the, the guest editorial also used the term about transparency and and when we have nothing to hide, obviously, for this, and we want huge community support, but it didn't feel good the way it went down, um, having not come through our commission, having not come through the Measure A committee um, and the Board of Supervisors making that decision without our input at all. So I will leave it at that. Yeah, I think, um, so you're right that the process that we envisioned for putting this on the ballot was uh, one that included your this the Parks and Open Space Commission. The Measure Oversight Committee really is, the function of that committee is to review expenditures. So it's not so much to 
um, give uh, recommendations to the board on potential actions. Um, but it, it's uh, to review uh, and provide oversight over expenditures. Um, but the, but uh, I think we, we, like I mentioned here, you know, I think our initial intent was to put this on the 2020 ballot um, and we'd been working towards that and sort of had a, a plan of, of bringing this to your commission and bring it to our board. And then the COVID pandemic happened. And so that sort of um, put, uh, put a pause on that plan because we really pivoted to supporting the county's response. And when this, op this opportunity for putting it on the recall ballot came up, you know, it was something that we hadn't realized until um, we had a very short amount of time to potentially consider it. And when we brought it as an option to the Board of Supervisors, one thing we recognized is that we didn't have the time for that whole process. And so, um, you know, I think we tried to make that clear to the Board in asking for their direction um, about whether we should move forward on the short on the shorter timeline versus the longer timeline. But uh, you know, I think certainly now that we're back to our June, our June 2022 timeline, it's a much better, more transparent process. Um, you know, I, I think uh, yeah, the the you know the board I think the board I don't want to speak to what the board's motivation was to to um, directing staff to work towards the recall ballot. But I think, you know, there was um, this opportunity, potential opportunity presented itself with a very short timeline. So there wasn't the time for the um, typical process we consider. I'd like to just comment on that. I think what Commissioner Stomp brings up some important issues, which is use this board to the maximum that you can. You know, we're here, we want to help. We're the connection with the community and the connection with the board and whatever we can help in terms of knowing where the where the program is and where the department is, the more that we can kind of educate the people that we have the contact with. I do acknowledge that you did bring it to the last commission meeting. Um, so we did have a little bit of advance notice, but because of the recall possibility, it just sped up everything. But now we have time. And we have, uh, we really want to involve the community in every way possible. And I think the commission can help a lot in that. One question that I do have is that given this now been postponed until June, we're going to run out of Measure A before June. And we're going to lose the revenue during that period. And the revenue pays for some of the staff. How do you see the department handling sort of that concept of a few months without revenue and staff may be concerned about their positions. Yeah, so we do have a fund balance set aside for um, covering a short, you know, uh, pause in revenue. So I think we're expecting that, you know, it won't actually hit our budget until the next fiscal year because we get the revenue several months after it's collected. Um, so it won't, uh, it won't actually have an impact on our budget till the 2022-2023 fiscal year. Um, but, and we've set aside enough uh, fundings to cover our staff through the end of the count, the 2022 calendar year. Um, so that it's not like a, people are, 
up against a cliff that after that June election, you know, depending on the outcome, we can um, come up with the strategy for moving forward. Do you have an approximate number of dollars that are not going to be available for that period? Yeah, so it's a little over, you know, a, a million, and you know, it's, we bring in about 14 million a year. So um, it's a little over a million dollars a month that comes in total for the program. So it's less when you take just our 52%. But, um, you know, I, I think, again, it'll just affect the amount you know, if it is renewed, you know, just will depend on whether we're, uh, whether the measure is successful on the ballot or not. So, you know, if it was renewed, you know, I, I think there's, you know, probably a way to, there's certainly a way that we can cover staff costs to keep moving forward on our projects. If it was not successful, you know, there'd be a lot of hard choices to make. Thank you. Yes, I, I think it's really good that um, Max and the team have uh, created a, a, a fund balance to do bridge financing for uh, for that period of time or could be used, applied for bridge financing. Um, it, it's important to look at that survey and the top features really uh, should be the focus of building a message strategy, which the department can do and uh, certainly hitting on those messages and, and uh, public communications is perfectly legal. Um, and, uh, and it's something we all need to concentrate on too, is um, uh, you know, getting the word out, getting those messages out. Um, also, one of the strategies obviously is um, in terms of uh, securing a, a positive vote is to move the you saw it was divided into definite yes and potential yes. So they're not the same, okay? <laughs> so we need to move potential yeses to definite yeses. And that is, um, it's a very great uh, thing to have because you have all these potential yeses, but it's not enough by itself to get 66 and two thirds votes. So you need to move a fair amount of votes from potential yes to definite yes to get this passed. So something to be cognizant of, don't, don't kind of sit back and think, oh, there's 80% support. You know, that's semantics. That's, there's not an 80% definite vote. <laughs> you need 66 and two thirds and you got 50 plus. So you need to move, it, move them over. It can be done. Uh, I'm totally confident it can be done, but it's gonna take an effort and concentration Good point. Other commissioners? Hearing none. Thank you, Pat. I thought that was a very important point. Let me open it up for public comment. Anyone in the public wish to comment on this item? I don't see any hands raised at the moment. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Max, I just want to thank staff and your presenters today for doing an outstanding job. I mean, it's very educational, very helpful in terms of that process. The last item on our agenda is the commissioner reports. The commissioners, do you have anything to report? We've already covered the uh, funding for Major A that we were involved in. Anything else, Mary? I just had a couple of um, comments. Uh, I continue to go to the cemetery, Marsh Loop, 
in Novato and, you know, it doesn't, there is any way we could reconnect um, the trail that goes uh, and ends and that, you know, this far, you can't get to the other side of the trail. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's gotta be some way, because I see a lot of folks out there that are frustrated and they get to the end there and they're like, oh, well, I get to turn around and get, so if you could just look at that, that would be great. And then um, my husband, the mountain biker asked me to bring up again, um, the Stay Right campaign says it's so frustrating being on a mountain bike and you have folks that are walking and they don't know what side to be on. And I notice that a lot when I'm walking, um, people just don't know what side of the path to be on. So we had, I brought that up before about maybe some sort of educational um, campaign on that. And just as a comment, I. I did see in the IJ today the ad that um, it, it in the at the ad about uh, the naturalists or something are coming back, which was nice to see. So, so that was uh, that was good. That's it. Thank you. Thanks. I had a question. Um, the everything's on you know these Zoom kind of calls now. Is there? With everybody being vaccinated, et cetera, uh, is there some timeline or review process that the county's going through to have in-person in meetings again? Yeah, sorry, Pat, I think you missed it because you came on a little bit late, but I, oh, I did. was that earlier that, yeah, we're working with the board. We're hope the board's hoping to get back into a hybrid setting where we'd have both Zoom and public participation in August. And we hope to have a similar timeline so that by the next commission meeting, hopefully we could have both in-person and Zoom participation. So I uh, look forward to more details. And yeah, Chris is working on that with our and team. And just to clarify, our, our next meeting is September 16th. And, and that one we do hope to have in-person slash hybrid as well. I think before Pat came on, we actually voted to have the next meeting at Pat's house. <laughs> That'd be fine. <laughs> Makes it easy on me. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Any other commission comments? We've been reminded about our next commission meeting on September 16th, two o'clock. Please put that in your schedule. Can you, um, just on that date, um, I don't have the calendar in front of me, but my memory, because I'm the head usher of my synagogue, is that I think the 16th is uh, Yom Kippur. It is. is it is. So um, we need to not do it on that date. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, we'll take a look after this meeting. Chris and I will get together with our team and see if we can. Okay. An alternative. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up. I actually would not be here the following Thursday, but the Thursday before the 16th, I could make. Are we are we married to having it on a third Thursday? I don't, you know, I don't know. I think let me let me and Chris get together and figure out what are the things that impact it, um, and and we'll we'll figure out what a date that would work. Thanks. Sounds good. Any other comments? I would like to entertain a motion to end the commission meeting. So moved. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you all. Thanks, Thanks everybody. See you soon. Hopefully in person.
Yeah. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe.